Distractions. I'm Mitchell Kral, and with me as always is Benson Anderson. How you doing, Benson? Good, man. It's been a while. It has we been. We took an unannounced Thanksgiving break. Yeah, I think it's understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By our rabid listeners. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think, I think our rabid listeners can wait a little bit. That's right. This is a, It'll be worth it. We have a content-packed episode today. Yeah, that's true. What do they say about absence, Benson? Um, it makes the heart grow fonder. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Everyone's like, I miss, I miss Welcome Distractions. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> well, we back, baby. <laughs> hey, uh, quick j- uh, shout out for my friend Pierce. He posted on my Facebook page uh, yesterday, and he said, quote, your podcast is wrong about Baby Driver being a good movie, end quote. That's goofy. Yeah, I commented that... Uh, he confused Baby Driver with the Boss Baby. So. <laughs> <laughs> baby Driver, I think, was like disappointing to a lot of Edgar Wright fans. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because it's a little bit more like, it's a little bit less weird yeah. than I think a lot of Edgar Wright movies are. <clears throat> Interesting. But I'll I tell you that Edgar Wright loves that movie, so. <laughs> I mean, I liked that yeah, movie. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. I don't think, uh, I think he had a problem with Ansel Elgort. Which is, I think, reasonable. Yeah, as that's well. fine. He's not a great actor. He doesn't need to be in that movie, though. Yeah, he's fine. He's so he's so much like a passenger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I like John Hamm. Even and though he's the driver, he's more of a passenger in that movie. Boo! Hey, come on! <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's a cool movie. I don't know what his problem is with it. Yeah. I just wanted to. You know, uh, yeah. I I just wanted to point out that you people know, are listening. Yes, our <laughs> podcast making is making waves. Yes, yeah. well, and it's starting discussions, Benson. And, and and I would think I don't know. There is not a whole lot of reason for me when I when I was watching Baby Driver of being like I don't imagine disliking this movie. You yeah. know, like like <clears throat> I could. Imagine, I don't think I liked this much. I could too. imagine being lukewarm on it. Yep. But being like this is a bad movie, mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever possibly say that. Because yeah. it's like there's. I don't know. I definitely like it. I less like than that. You. Mo- like, I like a movie a lot, but I'm saying like, there's no reason that you'd be like, I hated that. Yeah. Y- you know, it, yeah. there's it's not it's not it's not groundbreaking enough. It's not polarizing enough. You, yeah, it's not out of the box. Enough. It's like a crime yeah. action, you know, comedy. Well, sort of. you can hate it if it's bad, but it. Well, sure, I didn't think it was but, bad. Right. <laughs> Which is why I'm saying like, I. That's why I'm saying like, I don't know. I don't. I could never envision being like seeing that movie and being like, this is a bad movie. It was so well choreographed and the music was great. And yeah, so much I thought John Hamm was that. good. This is uh, our Baby Driver episode, by the way. No, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so we both saw a couple of movies uh, since we last recorded a movie podcast, and I think we should talk about those first. We did, and I think we'll start, we'll start off where we ended on the last episode. Harry Potter. The most recent entry in the Harry Potter now, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter um, movie. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, this movie stinks. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so, question for you. Yeah. Well, the movie's, the movie's not great. No. As a standalone product, it's not great. Oh, it's it's worse as a standalone product. Yeah. My, my question for you is, wh- because this is a scheduled five-part movie series, sure. is this the type of movie that we might look back with more fondness? I don't think so. No? Okay. No. I, I think... Like, if the next movies are good, uh, maybe we'll be like, all right, I'm glad it got to that point. Yeah. But, like, it was not good. Like, it's almost like a TV show in a lot of ways. Yeah. When y- it did feel like a two-and-a-half-hour-long right. TV episode. And and I think good TV shows have episodes that are able to stand alone and mm-hmm. also advance the plot and grow the characters and that kind of thing. This movie 
literally only advanced the plot. The mm-hmm. char- the characters were, you know, completely one-dimensional in this movie. Um, it was two and a half hours of straight plot. And, and like, B-plots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, there was no, like, real overarching, like, this is what this movie is about. Yeah. I It was confusing. Yes. Um it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't an entertaining watch. And like my like big picture problem is like Harry Potter is always fun to watch. Like it is yeah. always fun to watch like whimsical magical things and spells and shit. And this movie had none of that or very little of that. I was going to say when it when it was exciting it was really pretty good. There were a few moments there were like I mean at the very beginning there's this escape scene which was pretty which was pretty in, invigorating. Yeah. I it was also confusing. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I thought it was very I don't have any problem with, like, the direction of it. Um, I thought that it looked really good. Um, We got introduced to some new sort of um, Harry Potter landscapes, like the French Ministry of Magic, which was pretty well designed. It looked very kind of what a French Ministry of Magic you'd think would look like. Um, I thought the performances were pretty good all around. Like, the characters were maybe a little bit poorly written. Yeah. um, Underwritten, maybe. I don't know if I'd say poorly written, but underwritten. Um, this movie was definitely, I feel like this movie was making up ground because Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the first movie in the franchise, didn't really push us into any sort of greater arc of this franchise, of this series of movies. It was just like a nice little standalone, like Harry Potter adventure. Yeah. And then at the end, it was like, oh, now we're teasing things that are happening in the future. But this movie was like, we need to get way further. Like, almost it was as though they they needed to add... Onto, they needed to cut the original storyline of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them in half and add like the first half of this movie into the first, in the, the, yeah. the latter half of the first movie. Well, the thing is, we didn't get any like like I said, like I feel like there was no like everything that happened on the on the screen was to advance the plot. There was no yeah. like Harry, uh, you know, working with Lupin on like the the bogger or whatever yeah the, the bogger the patronus yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 which like advanced the plot a little bit he learned how to do it but it was more a character moment where you like right. see the two of them together and you know they're bonding and it's fun there was none of that it was there was absolutely none of that in terms of performances I'll watch Zoe Kravitz do anything um, and I, I, yeah and I, I like Jude really Law good. and I like Jude Law Jude Law's Jude Dumbledore Law, was amazing yeah he was a good Dumbledore I mean, highlight of the movie um I I still think Eddie Redmayne did a good job he's um, fine. He's yeah, he's fine. I think Catherine Waterston is very charming. Um, Dan Fogler, yeah, he <laughs> was way wasted in this movie. I mean, he was he was fun in the first one. Yeah, he was. Um, he's in this like kind of crappy movie from eight years ago called Take Me Home Tonight that a friend and I saw in theaters, and it was like a complete bomb. Um, was that like jo- was it Jonah Hill as well? No, it was uh, Topher Grace. Oh, okay, because. Uh, Dan, and Dan, Anna Ferris actually. That's where Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt met on the set of that movie. He was also in um, Fanboys, which was a movie about hmm. a bunch of Star Wars fanboys trying to get to the Skywalker Ranch to watch a preview of Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Is it good? No. Oh, that's <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it sounds like it could be funny. <laughs> it, yeah, it is bad. <laughs> um, it's too bad. The, so this, like, th- I like where this movie got. Okay. To the point of, I'm interested in the next movie, only because. I think it got it got to an interesting point. Yeah, and like I don't know if you want to spoil this movie. If you I don't, don't want to spoil this movie, I don't care. Um, there there are some interesting things where like the Harry Potter movies were so. It was almost like they were taking place on a different planet. Yeah, and there was a, a point later in the movie where there was like a crossover between like what 
will happen in the muggle world versus what's happening in the wizarding world and like the collateral damage that it will cause. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Grindelwald is talking to... Okay, we're going to spoil the movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's been out for two weeks now. Um, we will... So, so Grindelwald is talking to his sort of followers and he shows this like this sort of future projection of World War II, the Holocaust, the nuclear nuclear bombs. Yeah. And these wizards are like, holy shit. Like, you know, he's like, this is what we're fighting against. You know, muggle kind, humankind is arrogant. Yeah. Humankind is violent. But, like, how many wizards will die in that fight that's not their fight? Yeah. And I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And there's no real evidence in the Harry Potter books or movies that World War II ever happened. Yeah. So, like, we may be looking at some, like, timeline changing. I guess that's true. I don't know. I don't know that I needed it. I I mean, you're right that there's no evidence, but I don't know that I needed it. I don't know. I... I think uh That's a fun little thing. I don't yeah. I, I think the world I think World War Two is still gonna happen in it's, this timeline. Yeah. It's it's cool that they introduced characters. I think they did a decent job in like the latter day Harry Potter movies about introducing like Muggle World and all of that. Yeah. Like uh the scene in Deathly Hallows part one where there are Death Eaters in like the bakery that they're in yeah. in London. Yeah. That's great. Um yeah. I okay. The other thing about T V shows compared to this is T V shows, you know, there's an episode every week. They made this movie t- to try to make it like a TV show, yeah, but it doesn't. The next episode doesn't come out for three years, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. There's a, by the time the next movie comes out, I'm not gonna remember what happened in this movie because it was so confusing and just so much plot. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. And the question is whether or not J.K. Rowling has sort of lost her touch over the pulse of this world, or if there was a bunch of studio interference, like looking for Easter eggs, like. Yeah. For instance, there's some canon-breaking stuff, like Minerva yeah. McGonagall is at Hogwarts, even though she wasn't born yet. Yeah, and I care less and about that stuff. But, but Sure, yeah. but it's it's disturbing in some ways, because J.K. Rowling has always had such a pulse over everything. She can answer every question any fan ever asks about any sort of maybe plot hole. She's like, nope, that's true. this is what it's about. And here we have someone who the canon that she has written is not is not born, but now the established film canon says that she was actually like in her mid thirties working at Hogwarts. Has she said anything about this? I haven't. I haven't seen anything mm. about it. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if she if she explains it. Yeah, because you have to trust her because everything in the books and the everything in the Harry Potter books comes together so well. On the other hand, it's a movie about magic. She can explain anything away. I suppose she could be like, "Oh, she had a time turner that like that gave her more knowledge. That's why she's so smart." <laughs> Like I, I that's yeah. in fact that's my prediction for for what she says. That would be dumb. Yeah, that's that's exactly <laughs> That'd be really be. lame. Yep. I, yeah. Yep. I was just really hoping that that this wouldn't fall into like that sort of prequel trap. Yeah. And it does seem as though that that might be the case. You know who's not great in this movie? Johnny Depp. I yeah. I think Colin Farrell is better. I think they Colin Farrell kept was Colin also Fel- better. Yeah, they should have just kept Colin Farrell as uh, Grindelwald. And um, they, they could have explained it away really well. Yeah. Um, I I don't want to borrow any more points from The Ringer, but. Um, <laughs> Oh, I didn't know we were doing that. No, I mean I was I was not 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 in general, but like yeah. a lot of because they know more about this universe than I do. Yeah, like on binge mode they talk about um, the, the the canon breaking and like when Minerva McGonagall was born and why she shouldn't be in the movie and why that's kind of disturbing. Yeah, um, but yeah, there they had a lot of excuses that they could have used to recast Johnny Depp and they didn't. Yeah, I think largely he's okay. I don't know. He kind of overacts. I'll take Ray Fiennes over 
uh, Johnny well, he, Depp. Anyway. He's certainly overacts. Yeah, that's true. and 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 the thing he also has kind of a similar viewpoint as as Voldemort. Yeah, he's like, just like Voldemort, like eighty 5. years earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but L- we, less powerful. Yeah, why do we need? Why do we need another Voldemort? Couldn't they? Couldn't we have come up with like a different kind of villain? Yeah, and why are you holding back so much on Dumbledore being gay? I don't know. You know, like that's my thing. It's like everyone that was knows. They were that everyone was really knows. weird. <laughs> Nobody cares. Everyone knows. They had some weird euphemism for it. I can't remember what it was. Um, they were like they were brothers, and he was like, "We were closer than brothers." Closer than brothers. Yeah, and it was mm. just like, "Why are you being so like tongue in cheek with this?" Yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> J.K. Rowling has come out and said Dumbledore is gay. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Must be a must be a like a you know the the production group or whatever. The, right, the and that's and that's why yeah. I'm a little I'm. Just disheartened by this movie because I do feel like it. Yeah, you think the studio would kind of step back though, considering like the amount of movies, the amount of money that the Harry Potter movies brought in and that kind of thing. Right. But, oh well. I. You have anything else to say about uh, Grindelwald? No, I not will, really. I will say um, I had my first old man moment. Oh yeah. With uh, with this movie, I, I think I was texting you, or I was texting you or someone, one other friend. It could anyway. I. Uh, I couldn't remember what it was called, and I called it the Crimes of Gellertwald. Gellertwald. And then I and then His I first sounded name that is Gellert. Yes, and yeah, I yeah. realized that sounded wrong, and I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh no, this is what old men do. <laughs> old men confuse titles. <laughs> it is, yeah, like Pokemans. Yeah, like are you are you playing with your Pokemans? The Crimes of Moral. Yeah, or or, or Benerson. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like uh, it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about widows. Oh hell yeah. All right, full disclosure, it is my favorite movie of the year. It, I'd have to think hard about it, but it, it's definitely on the short list of um, my favorite movies of the year, for sure. This movie rocks. <laughs> this movie does rock. It's the really, last movie sucks. It's this really movie good. rocks. And they came out the same day. Did um, they? Yeah, November cool. 16th. You're very into like when things come out. I think it's very important. And uh, see, I just don't care. I, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. I agree that like this time of year is like the holiday season. Big <coughs> right. movies come out. That's true. But right. then other than that, I don't care. But like I'm someone who likes to see movies as soon as possible because yeah. with like there have been so many movies that I've wanted to see and then the reviews come out and I don't come and see them and I and I and I don't have an opinion on them for myself. Yeah. Um, which is frustrating. You know, like as much as I'm like, oh great, I saved you know. $8 not going to see Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to see it on Monday before the movies came, before the releases came out. It came out the day before Thanksgiving. I kind of wanted to see it on Monday just to be like, to sort of hone my own criticism of being like, did I like this movie? Why didn't I? And I have zero inclination. Uh, I have no points to follow because yeah. nobody else has, has written a review of the movie yet or has, has been able to publish their review yet. That's fair. I, I mean, like, I think there's, you kind of have to, you kind of have to train yourself not to care that much about what reviewers think. When yeah. You, like, I will – I don't know. I think I've, I've been accused of, like, beholding myself too much to reviews. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to an extent. Um, but there are plenty of movies that get good reviews that I don't like, and there are plenty of – I mean, I just think, yeah, just go in not expecting anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's fair. I, it's more about, like, spending money. So, like, fair. I was going to see Robin Hood, and I saw 19% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was yeah. like, there's no way I'm going to go and spend money on that movie now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have yeah. two days earlier. Right. So That makes sense. Um, but Widows is dope. Um, Widows rocks. Uh, yeah, this has a great cast. Oh, I mean, super. Viola Davis, 
Michelle awesome. Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, who I didn't know before this movie, but she was amazing in it. Yeah, she's in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah, and I don't remember. She's her. covered in gold paint. So <laughs> Cynthia Erivo, awesome. Really she's good. potentially the breakout star of 2018. Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell, amazing. Brian Tyree Henry, love him. Daniel Kaluuya, amazing. So in this movie. good. Yeah, and if anything, like it underutilizes some of its cast, like. I thought Michelle Rodriguez's character is a little underwritten, and that's not really a uh, an attack on this movie so much as it is. It's only got, it's only it, got so much room, right? Yeah, uh, and same with Carrie Coon's character. Carrie Coon is one of my favorite actresses, so I was like really excited to see her on screen, uh-huh. and then bummed that she was in it for like two scenes. But uh, she, I don't know if you remember her or if you you recognize the name, but she's uh, she's the one who. Uh, she was one of the widows that w- she was the widow that wasn't involved, oh. and I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but she was the widow that wasn't involved um, in the in the heist. This movie is just so much, like it's so much more than a heist movie. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, it's a character piece. You know, with how, the heist being sort of like the main yeah obstacle that these characters have to tackle. You know that cliche like Dark Knight isn't a Batman movie; it's a movie with Batman in it. Yeah, yeah. This is not a heist movie. It's a movie that. It has a heist in it. But, like, cliches aside. Yeah. It really, yeah, it's... It contextual. It contextualizes, the like, that the events of the movie so well with, like, the greater Chicago political scene. Yes. Um, Amazing stuff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this one scene where they're discussing... It's, uh, it's with Colin Farrell, who plays, like, the heir to, a, like, a political family in yeah. Chicago, and he's the alder of, like, a kind of a rougher area in chicago and like alderman rather generally like a pretty good person i think to start i think he comes off that way in the beginning and then oh see i think he comes off better as the movie goes on colin farrell yeah oh strong disagree and i don't want to spoil okay the movie okay we can talk uh, about it off off, yeah 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 um yeah no i disagree but anyway a Um, complicated character yeah he's certainly not like a caricature of a white politician in a predominantly black neighborhood. Yeah. I, I agree that some of his viewpoints change for the better over the course of the movie, but yeah. his actions are bad enough that I think they are like, I think it, it kind of overrules that there's a great scene where they are filming him going from his, uh, like one part of his district to his house and they film the entire thing. They like, set up a stand on the hood of the car and they yeah. just film it on like the outside of the car. So you hear their conversation about the district as you get from this like really rough, uh, dilapidated. Yeah, they're part like, of his they're district. like the projects. Right. To and his, it goes straight like, to his mansion in like and, two and a half minutes. Yep. And you know what? Um, as someone who lived on the South side, uh, for four years, that is very believable. Yeah. And that exists. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Well, a real of thing. course it does. Like, yeah. There was no, there were no cuts. This was yeah. a, this was a one single shot of yeah. them driving. Yeah, but it's from not. That's not even. That's not even fabricated. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the way it is in Chicago, yeah. in a lot of places. And and there's an awesome interview with Steve McQueen um, on the Ringer's Big Picture Show. Yeah, and he sort of t- was just talking about how like the city of Chicago told its own story so much. Yeah, because they're asking like, why is this movie based in Chicago? And he was like, well, you know, there's a scene where. I mean, this is this is the scene you're referring to, yeah. and it's like that, without any dialogue at all, would tell a huge story. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's good. that's great. And then, um, 
Yeah, and, I, and and Harry and Veronica um, Rollins are a very like Chicago couple, um, just in terms of their like how they live and how they sometimes maybe don't like, you know, tell each other what they're doing and 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 how they sort of live in secret, but they come together and they sort of leave it all at the door, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to be clear, Liam Neeson's character is Harry, a Harry Rollins. Yeah, he and and Viola Davis is his wife, uh, and the basic premise, the way the movie starts, is. Um, the, the these criminals these professional criminals have a job gone wrong yes uh, they get ki- they all get killed yep and then people come after the widows particularly Viola Davis uh, for money that they owed those people yes uh, so in order to pay them back they need to do the next job in uh, Liam Deeson's character Harry his famous journal yeah so that and is the pre- that is the setup of the movie but it like I said it is not. Just like a ocean's plan, wait for the heist. Right. It is. Um, it takes place in this greater Chicago universe of politics and crime, and it's awesome. Yeah, they're so in over their heads. Mm-hmm. And 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 when this when when the the person that that their late husband stole the money from, when when he comes to Viola Davis, she genuinely does not know what he was doing. Yeah, she's not just like putting on a putting on a face. She, That's right. She's genuinely in, in over her head, and this person's like, "I need two million dollars," and she's like, no, I, have I, have "No idea." How to yeah, do that. yeah, yeah. And uh, and 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 the people she owes the money to are people that are running for alderman yes. against Colin Farrell's character, and then yes. and the whole thing kind of fits I, together. It, it really does. Yeah. There, there are. Yeah. This is as I mean, as close to a perfect movie as I think I might, I might, can I, I might, I wouldn't go that far. Consider. <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> Almost flawless, but um, yeah, Elizabeth Debicki was amazing. She's yep. so much taller She's than everyone else. She's like six foot three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a. I almost want to just like you want to talk about our favorite parts of the movie because without spoiling anything, because like. I could just talk about like the scene where she's procuring guns and she's play like she plays like a like a like mail a, order yeah, bride like, like in order German, to like yeah. trick someone. She's like, I need one per room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Cynthia Erivo, like she was amazing in a in a Bad Times at El Royale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you see her in this movie. She is jacked. Yeah, she's, she's jacked. Yeah, she's amazing and and she doesn't sing at all in this movie no this is just her being a screen actress and that's amazing yeah i i couldn't so you believe. sort of felt like they fell back on her singing a little bit in bad times so you're like oh we have cynthia Erivo who's like won a tony award yeah so now it's like oh we could have her sing and like in yeah. this movie he's like i don't give a shit about her singing man she's really good right it, I, i'd be curious to see if they cast her before that character was written, or mm-hmm. they cast her, and then they were like, "Oh, we should take advantage of her full skill set. Let's yeah. have her sing more." And their first unclear the um the first interaction between Viola Davis's character and Cynthia Erivo's character is amazing. Yeah, because Viola Davis has always been sort of like the bossy sort of. Oh yeah, she's an asshole in this. Movie. Yeah, she sucks yeah. for a lot of this movie. Yeah, and Cynthia Erivo's like, "Don't talk to me like that." Yeah, and she doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> for the rest of the movie, and you're yeah. like, "Oh man." Um, Two other performances, I think. Uh, or at least one other performance. Daniel Kaluuya is... Oh he steals every scene he's, he's in. He's so scary. Yeah. Um, and, I'm terrified of him. Yeah. And in this in this movie, he's... Yeah, he's really scary. And, and his his mannerisms and just sort of the way he, like, plays around with his prey almost. Yeah. Um, and and it... The, I, uh, the casting is so interesting because of his history. Mm-hmm. Like, Get Out, he is kind of a harmless dude. He's a victim. Yeah. Right? 
and uh, Black Panther. He's I I didn't even like him very much. I in Black Panther. I hate his character in Black. Yeah, Panther. yeah. He it's, it's like, not his fault, but he wasn't no, great in Black it, Panther. No, his character is horribly written in yeah. that movie. And then one of the biggest drawbacks I think of that movie. And so I see him in this movie, and it's like, oh, I wonder what he's doing here. And he is terrifying. Yeah, like this is the role he is meant to play. I, like yeah, he was I, great in Get Out. He was great in Get yeah, Out. Yeah, really, really. This good. is the role he's meant to play. He's good in Get Out because he's so he so convinces you that nothing is wrong for like yeah. so much of that movie. <laughs> and he's and he's very facially expressive when he needs to be, mm-hmm. like sunken place scene and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Speaking he's of superb, yeah, this movie. Yeah, and then uh, and then Brian Tyree Henry is also great. I don't yeah. know if you've watched any Atlanta. I have not, but he's great in Atlanta and he's great in this. And those are the two things I've seen him in. Uh, he's just such an understated actor. He's he's very subtle, and I like it. He's just a believable character actor. Yeah, there there were no bad performances in this movie. No. Not a big Lucas Haas fan, but like he brought he was what, good. He brought what he brings. He was good. Um, and um, who who played the um the pastor? The pastor. Because he's in like one scene and he kills it. The pastor. Yeah, he's the he. You know what I'm talking about at the church? They're trying to get his endorsement. Oh yes, I do he's in remember one that scene, and he's amazing. He's really good. I'm trying to look. I'm I've got the Wikipedia page. He's this up. like really charismatic preacher. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I can't figure out who it is, but he was great, and Robert Duvall was great in it too. There are no, like you said, there is there are no bad, uh, there are no bad performances in this movie. My favorite um, part of this movie is when uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character goes to who she believes is the architect of the um, room that they are trying to rob. Mm-hmm. Um, and a sort of really, really fascinating character thing um, occurs in that scene. I don't want to spoil this movie. Yeah. We can spoil Crumbs of Grindelwald because nothing the fuck happens. And who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it was an interesting bit of cat. Do you know Matt Walsh? He's like a, he's like a comedian. He's like a big member of like the comedy scene in like Chicago. Uh, I think he founded Chicago uh, Improv Olympics, or he f- he was like head in like one of the comedy scenes, and he's randomly in this movie. And I just love like seeing a comedian that I like playing a bit part. He's huh. like he's like the CEO of their security company. I don't know if you remember him. He's redheaded, bald. No. Yeah. Well, he exists and he's good. Yeah. This movie rocks. Everyone should see it. Yeah. There's there's no reason not to not to see this movie. I think it might be like the people's champion at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, just because. This movie, there's, it doesn't like have an audience. Yeah. Like, if you're a film person and you like Oscar movies, you'll like this movie. Yeah. And if you're someone who maybe is like me a little bit more and likes looking at box office numbers and and movies that the masses enjoy, you'll like this movie as well. Yeah. It's this perfect middle ground between the two of them. Yeah. It's not even that intense. It's no. it's intense, but it's not that intense. Yeah. There's no. I was on the edge of my seat a lot just because. I still have trust issues after uh, bad times, but there are, yeah, there are, there are no, like, this movie is never cheap. Yeah. This movie is never, even when, I think the most shocking thing that happens in the movie is pretty telegraphed. It happens pretty early on. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's in a scene with Daniel Kaluuya, but even then you're sort of like, oh, okay, 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 got it. Yeah. And he's amazing in that. You know, it's going to happen because he's amazing. And And it could have been shot in a way where you would have been much more startled. Oh my God. It was dizzying. The way they shot that scene. I don't know if you remember, but they're like, like, yeah, rotating. Yeah. They'd like the, the people that did badly and like their crime or whatever, like he had them wrap and he was like 
He was like in, in their, their face. face the whole yeah. time, and the camera is just quickly rotating and around. And him. what I'm saying is, the timing of that spinning could have stopped in a way where you never see the gun pulled. Yeah, he pulls a gun. Sorry, minor yeah. spoilers. It's like fine. the first 15 we've, minutes. Of this we've movie. mentioned that he's a monster. Yeah, in this movie. Um, it's and, fine. and and you see you see him pull the gun, so you know what's going to happen. I was very appreciative of that because I was like, you could have shot this in a way where we were all just like, ah! you know, and it yeah. Didn't, it, it, it still had the same effect. I knew it was, yeah, you knew it was going to happen. Like, right when he had them start rapping, you're like, yeah. oh, he is punishing them. Yeah. And then he is going to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I don't I don't know what more there is to say other than people should see this. People should learn about Well, Carrie so King. I said it's a perfect movie, and you said it's not. So why do you say that? Well, I, I just think, like like I said, Michelle Rodriguez's character, I think, is just a little underwritten. And I mm-hmm. think, uh, and um, like I said, I would have liked to see Carrie Coon get a little more action. The thing was, is it was so compact, it could have been a little longer. I don't mind that. It could have been. I loved it. I loved this been. movie. So, yeah, I just would Carrie Coon's such a great actress that anytime she's not being utilized to the fullest of her capabilities, it bums me out. Because she's, like, she's in the show The Leftovers. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've... No, I haven't. Yeah, it's on HBO. It's 2% of the world disappears and, like, how the rest of humanity deals with it. It's a really cool show. Uh, and she is so human and so strong and i don't know it's just like one of my favorite performances ever so like to see carrie coon have two scenes is like ah missed opportunity but according to the wikipedia page this movie has not made its budget back really that is unacceptable that's crazy (laughs) um oh yeah it's close uh it's close but like come on this movie should be making a hundred million dollars at the box office yeah there's no reason not to see this i agree um for sure and I, and I agree with you, it could have been a little bit longer and clocks in at 209. Yeah. Which I'm not saying it was short. I'm just saying, yeah. like, they could have, uh, they could have progressed they, a couple of It had me a to a point more. where I was like, 10 more minutes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have pulled yeah. it out in the slightest. Yeah. That was, this was the first movie since Lady Bird where when it ended, I was like, darn it. Yeah. 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 When it ended, I was like, is this, is this really going to be the end? Yeah. Yeah. But it ends yeah. in a really great place. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it does. Really good stuff. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. That's a 10 out of 10 for me. Nice. I love right. that movie. Uh, I think we both saw movies independently of each other. Yeah. So I'll, I'll quickly give a one-minute blurb about Instant Family, mm-hmm. which I saw with my folks. Craft uh, mac and cheese. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 100% Kraft mac and cheese. <laughs> it's, it's really good at being cheesy and, like, cra- I love Kraft mac and cheese. I like Tugs eating your it. heartstrings. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, yeah this movie's fine. It's a, it's a two-hour infomercial for adopting kids. And it doesn't. It never puts its foot in its mouth. There are never any jokes that go flat. Um, it's fine. It is exactly what you think it is, like carried out at the best in the best possible it's way. It's eighty-one percent certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, which that, it, a movie like this could have been way worse than that. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Tignataro's in it, and I love Tignataro. Um, oh, the girl. Tig- no, Tignataro is a, she's a comedian and she plays one of the adoption like agents or oh, whatever. Okay, yeah. And she's funny in it. And also character actress Margot Martindale's in it and uh, uh of of uh of Bojack Horseman fame. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this might yeah. Um I don't know if I would see this movie in the theater. Uh, you saw you see it on five dollar Monday? Yep. And yeah. my parents paid for it. Yeah. So <laughs> um I, I this is a movie that I'm I hoping comes on like Amazon or Netflix. Um, not one that I think you need to, like, run and go see to yeah. avoid, like, spoilers. Yeah. Um, y- you could see this with, like, your family or your kids. Yeah. Or a nice yeah. nice holiday movie yeah. without any sort of Christmas 
overtones. That's right. And there's no, it's not super religious. It's definitely for everyone. Have you seen Ralph? Uh, Have you seen Ralph 2 yet? No, I haven't seen Ralph 1. What? Yeah. Oh, because uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Ralph too. Okay. I feel, like, I feel like we 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 should we missed that window. We should have seen that by now. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see it. I'll see it at some point very soon. That's really all I have to that. say. Eliz- uh, there's a. I would say the best actress in it is like she plays the teen daughter adoptee. Mm-hmm. Her name's Isabella Moner. I'd never heard of her before, but mm-hmm. she is very good in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, from the trailer, strong. I could I could sort of tell that she was she was really gonna bring it. Yeah. Um, yep. Strong performance. And I saw half of The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. <laughs> and I know you hated it. Which debuted on Netflix also on November 16th. Um, it's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, I haven't seen it It's yet. an anthology movie. It's, an, it's a Western anthology movie. Um, and it, it's, it's framed kind of interestingly. It's, um, it's like a storybook, basically. Um, the way that, the, the, way that the, uh, the pages turn and you sort of get to a different... Um, you get to these different stories. Um, this movie had me for like the first, the first, the the first skit, the first sort of. There's six, six part anthology. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there are six little anthology parts, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's the first one is really nice with um, with um, Tim Blake Nelson. Oh yeah. He plays Buster Scruggs. Yeah. And he's like this singing cowboy and he's like a gunslinger, but he wears like all white and looks kind of like he's kind of a prick. Um, I almost wish the whole movie was about him. Yeah. Um, because he was so charismatic. And then you sort of get to, you get to the next one that has James Franco and Steven Root in it. And it's, um, just a bit more static. Um, Maybe funny if you kind of like really dark humor. I like Steven Root. He's funny. I like Steven Root. He's he's very funny, but he's in it for very little. Okay. Um, and then there's Meal Ticket, which is um, with which has Liam Neeson and the kid who plays Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, random. Um, he's like a traveling. So Liam Neeson is like the owner of this traveling stage show where the kid who plays Dudley from Harry Potter it has no arms and no legs, but he recites like. Ozymandias and Cain and the story of Cain and Abel and Shakespeare works and things like that, and um, they're not making a lot of money, so desperate times call for de- desert desperate measures, I guess. And then there's All Gold Canyon, which has Tom Waits in it. Yep. Um, this is another one that's pretty static, um, and that's where you cut it off, right? Yes. Yeah. It was I, late. I started watching it at like 10 p.m. Uh, um, and it's pretty long. I checked like the runtime, and I was like, oh my god, I'm halfway through this thing. <laughs> um, I'm personally not a like a, I'm not somebody who is like oh a new Coen Brothers movie I must see this yeah and I am and so it's weird that you saw it first um, because because every time I see a new Coen Brothers movie I'm like I'm gonna like this a lot more than I think I than I I, I have in the past yeah because I'm like I've seen more movies now I understand more about why people like these movies more yeah and maybe this was a bad one to to like jump back in on the Coen Brothers on. Like, maybe I should have gone back and rewatched Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which, like, when I saw it the first time, didn't love. Oh, yeah, that's maybe great. The, maybe The Big Lebowski, which I also didn't love. Or you could go back and even watch more classic ones, like uh, like Barton Fink or Blood Simple or Raising Arizona. I haven't seen any of those. Oh, those are all good. Um, Actually, might, I haven't seen Blood Simple. I might go back and see... You know, I have No Country for Old Men. I have a lot of these movies. I own yeah, don't them. start with No Country for Old Men. Um, 
but I liked No Country for Old really? more than I liked The Big Lebowski or Interesting. So yeah, I'm gonna be completely honest. Your description of like the four things you saw made me want to see it more than the great. Then, then, you know what? Like <laughs> then, it's, then it's then it's your movie. But I think it's got a great cast. Too. What's interesting about this movie and its reception, and we talked about this a little bit over text yesterday, is that I feel like a lot of critics are giving this movie like huge, re- great reviews because it's a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. And not because of the content of the movie. Like there's a review in, in, in particular, and I, I, I can't, I, I read it, but I don't know where I, I, I don't know where it's from. But the person basically said, like, I'll probably like this movie a bit more in like three, four, or five years. But it's a Coen Brothers movie, and thus it should be celebrated. Yeah, I think that's that's ridiculous. It's that's against doing, the point. That's doing everyone a disservice. That's doing the readers a disservice. That's doing the Coen Brothers a disservice. That's basically you taking an easy way out and saying, okay, I didn't love this movie. I didn't get it, but. You know, in the future, when it's a cult classic, I want to come out on the right side of history. That's like, and that's that's not what criticism should be. But I think so much a part of what makes the cult classic lore is the bad reviews. Yeah. And I don't think anyone is like, haha, you're an idiot for giving the Big Lebowski one and a half stars when it came out. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but like... On the plus side, anyone who gave Big Lebowski like four out of four, like "woo, this is a great movie," like but probably at, looks good now. But at the time, was probably ostracized. Yeah, you know, so like, th- there's a give and take there. The point is, you should be honest in your criticism, right? Yeah, and not and not. That's the whole point. There's something on my shoulder. You keep looking at my shoulder. No. <laughs> okay. I'm like, is there a spider or something? No, uh, I was so, looking out the window. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So this, th- th- it's it's a Netflix movie, so like, it's accessible to everyone. Um, it has a sort of odd palette in terms of what they choose to make actual, like physical things, and what they choose to make CGI. Yeah, I'm um, like, there's a there's a little there's a small little bank, and it's entirely CGI until you get inside and it's a set. But How I'm do you like, know that? It, you can tell. You can tell. Okay, they, they don't try to mask it very well. Okay. Um, yeah, I, there's CGI wildlife in the Prospector short. Yeah. Um, I wonder, like. Has there been a Netflix movie that you just, like, loved? A Netflix original? Yeah. Because I feel like... I mean, the closest no. I've came was, like, the Meyerowitz stories, the the, the Noah Bumbach one with uh, Ben Stiller and, and Dustin Hoffman and, and Adam Sandler. In fairness, I haven't seen too many. They That's don't fair. really appeal to me. Yeah, I think all of... I, I haven't really loved any of them. Like, everyone raved about Set It Up, the, yeah. the, the, the rom-com. And I like rom-coms. I'm not an anti-rom-com guy. This movie wasn't that good i don't know why everyone liked it so much it was a, uh, it was a very 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 formulaic rom-com with mm. two charismatic uh leads who are better in the richard linklater movie everybody wants some so if you want more of them you should go see the clearly superior movie everybody wants some um yeah so <laughs> I, it's not that good it's i I haven't seen a Netflix movie that it just blew me away. And, and Roma is supposed to be really good, the new Alfonso Cuarón. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope I don't go in there biased, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Might. Yeah, I don't I don't like watching movies on my computer, Yeah, which is how I digest most of my Netflix. I mean, I have the app on my Xbox. Yeah, um, you should try using it on your Xbox. Oh, I, I heard The Ritual is very good. Oh, I haven't of, heard of that It's a supernatural horror movie. Oh. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, apart from that, I guess I guess I haven't really, um, I haven't really found a Netflix movie that I enjoy, and we just sort of talked about why that might be, and you think it's 
because Netflix isn't a very good producer of movies. I just feel like they're kind of getting, they're getting kind of um, like bargain bin releases. I think some of them, but like the big releases aren't good either. Like the friend that hated, uh, or that, that dissed us for Baby Driver mm-hmm. hated Outlaw King. And yeah. that's like a big release. That is something that is right up his alley. And he hated it. Like, yeah. What does Out- that say? Out- Outlaw King hasn't gotten great reviews by anyone. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Outlaw King isn't a movie that I don't. I don't think that movie comes out in theaters. Yeah, ma- you might be right. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Like, has the like? I, I think Ridley Scott exhaustion has definitely set in. Um, you know, like <laughs> like he made Gladiator, and everyone was like, "That was really good." And then they made you know, he made Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom, which was a clunker. And he made the Exodus Gods of Men movie. Was that the one with <laughs> Christian Bale where he plays? Yeah, I didn't. He plays oh yeah, Mo- I he did plays see Moses and parts the Red Sea. That movie stinks. Yeah. <laughs> so this these these big historical dramas. I think people are exhausted by them, and I don't know if that movie gets released in theaters. Interesting. I bet it gets released. Not that Ridley Scott had anything to do with this movie. No, but it's a yeah. Ridley Scott esque movie. That's fair. Yeah, from what tra- I've gathered. From I'm it. looking up what the see the guy who did it. Made Hell or High Water, which was a great movie. Yeah, Chris Pine and uh, Jeff Bridges, right? Yeah, and uh, and uh, Ben Foster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie rocks. Haven't seen it, but I heard it's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I could. It's just weird that like someone make like someone who clearly has the capabilities of making great movies um, goes to Netflix and can't make a good movie. And and you didn't like the Coen Brothers movie. I will see it, and I'll see what I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And you know what? We could be looking back on this in five years when all of the Oscar nominees are Netflix movies, and we'll be, okay, that was a bad take. Yeah. But but for now, well, for now they're finding their footing. Yeah. And again, I'm not I the kind of person. they per- don't find their footing. Though. I'm not the kind of person that it, like looks at a production studio and says, like, that's a must-see movie. And I know you, you mentioned a couple of studios like Bad Robot. And Spielberg productions, well, which are I, like obviously one person is right. behind them. And I'm not even saying those are must see movies, but I'm saying like those have something in common. And they have like, a pretty high yield of success. Yeah. I think like, wh- yeah, if something's produced by someone or like a production company that you like, I think that that is a, a key um, to to the movie. Like, mm-hmm. there is a chance, there is a better chance that you will like it if you like the other movies by that production company, especially a smaller one, like a yeah. bigger, like Lionsgate. Who cares? Yeah, or, or like, like MGM. Yeah. Who cares? Columbia. Yeah. Although I do like the Lion Roaring. I do like the Lion Roaring. Yeah, too. it's pretty nice. Um, I, that's like, that's I, that's I the best New Line Cinema because I was like, oh, they made <laughs> they made the uh, they made the Lord of the Rings movies. I was like, yeah. dope. And then sometimes <laughs> I see New Line Cinema movies and I'm like, no, this isn't very good. That's fair. Yeah. So the more, yeah, like the smaller ones, which you know, and, and like you know, they're like the brainchild of like a J.J. Abrams. Like bad robot movies are at worst entertaining yeah. for the most part because J.J. Abrams is behind them and he just likes to toss out standard narratives that look really nice and, yeah. and make everybody happy. Let's move on. Let's move on yeah. to the, 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 the bombs and classics. Bombs and classics. Yeah. So we're gonna bombs so with Benson. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna to recap. The ones that we did um, like a yes. month ago, uh, to, five to, weeks ago, to remind our very dedicated listening base. Well, and we were we were always supposed to talk about them, and we never yeah. did. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we were supposed to talk about them on the next, next movie episode, which is now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Benson recommended the bomb for me, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, directed so. by Luc Besson. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just a reminder of what I told Mitch that I liked about it. Um, I like the lore of it. I really like Alpha, which is the um, so named city of a thousand planets. It's almost kind of like a zoo, where um, uh, like all these different colonies have 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 come to this what was formerly the ISS yeah and it's now like so it's so district yes. and and it's like a zoo where you go to like Africa you have the African animals and you you, you know like have you seen Zootopia I have it's great so movie. you know how Zootopia is sort of set up in that way where yeah. it's like oh here's winterland and like all the winter animals live over there yeah um I think it's like that and that's really cool it I is like, cool I and like the uh the setting of it a lot and them showing how it came to be is one of the best scenes in the entire movie it's at the very beginning. The beginning yeah it's a lot set of, a lot to of handshaking. Da- yeah. yep it's set set to David Bowie's Space Oddity which I Thought was an obvious pick when I thought when it started, and I was like, "Uh, space oddity." And yeah. then as it went, it was like, "Oh, this, this is deserves space oddity. This, yeah. movie, this scene's great." And like they show this small space station slowly uh, getting more people from different countries, and then different planets, and then it gets sent off into like deep space. Yeah, and then it, it became too big to be around Earth, so yeah. it just yeah. So that scene was awesome. Uh, what was not awesome was the acting of the lead two roles. Uh, yeah. Dane DeHaan and, and Cara Delevingne both stink in this movie, and they are not... So, the, first of all, the dialogue stinks in this movie. Like, no one speaks like a human being. <laughs> and uh, some of the good actors in this, like Clive Owen, can elevate that. Or, um, uh, actually, Rihanna's pretty good in this movie. Rihanna's pretty good in this movie. And um, the... The uh, oh, what's that guy's name? Ethan Hawke. I love everything that Ethan Hawke does, that's and so he is great <laughs> in this movie. Uh, but th- that's fine because these are all bit parts, and mm-hmm. the main two, Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne, who are in the entire movie, are not bit parts. They have they have no chemistry, and they're supposed to be in love. Absolutely no chemistry, and they can't just converse normally. They're like, they're like, oh, my Ivy League education says, or. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or uh that's your day to Han. You forgot my birthday. <laughs> or uh <laughs> My heart belongs to you. It's even better because he has the Dandan face on. <laughs> sort of like you sort of like move your neck a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The the, the 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 dialogue in this movie is really bad. Uh, I have lots of notes because I took notes as I was so so overachiever. Here's one problem: they drive spaceships with a joystick. <laughs> a spaceship with a joystick. What is this? N sixty four. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, Dane DeHaan sounds like Tim Robbins. He, but bad Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins phoning it in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, yeah, he's supposed to be the smart guy, but he, like, didn't know honeymoons came after weddings. He had, like, this, there was this comment about, like, oh, we can go on our honeymoon. And she's like, uh, you're supposed to get married first. And he, like, actually didn't know that, which is (laughs) funny. Uh, uh, let's see. Cara Delevingne was pretty good at the action stuff in it. Yep. I enjoyed her in that role. And I kind of um, like that she's, like, it's definitely a, a it's a co-starring. Yeah. Like, they are they are the two. Yeah. I do like it, that. It, yeah. yeah. It's not like Dane DeHaan and then, like, the Bond girl. In you fact, know what I mean? the movie does a pretty decent job of, like, 
um, subverting that. Like, it, it starts out, like, Dane DeHaan's the guy, and, like, Cara Delevingne's his babe. Yeah. And it's kind of, as he's the movie the goes on... she's the sergeant. Yeah. yeah. And as the movie goes on, it's like, oh, he gets lost, and she has to save him. And then yeah. he gets lost, or she gets lost, and he has to save her. Yeah, there is. And they do a good job of e- e- equalizing them, and I do like that. Ethan Hawke was great. Called the twist about 50 minutes into the movie. Yep. Uh, it was really obvious. Oh. Um... And then, most importantly, uh, what the fuck is John Goodman doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I like him. He's in one scene. It's like they, they planned a sequel, that, and then this movie bombed, and then they never got to the sequel. I, you know, I would actually not be super surprised if they do make a sequel. I would. Um, because I think this movie's home media sales were pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think anybody went and saw it in theaters. Interesting. But, um, well, it's, yeah, a lot of people have, have seen it not in theaters, at, in, in via, via home media. So um, I guess what, what we'll do here um, for, for this is we'll say, should this movie have bombed? Yes, it should have. Mitch is unplugging his computer, so he's yes. far away. Yes. Or plugging his computer back in. Yes, my computer, for some reason, the charger stopped working. Um, yeah, this movie should have been a bomb. Worthy of bomb status? Yes. Yes. This, this is my, my elevator pitch for this movie is all the, the secondary stuff was really, really cool. It was beautiful. The world building was awesome. The stuff that is essential for a good movie, a.k.a. good acting, good writing, isn't <laughs> in it. It's not there. <laughs> it's not there. Yeah, this may as well just be like a nature documentary. If they made this a nature doc, like a fake nature documentary about like this world, I think it would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes me. A I think it should. I think it should have been a bomb. Um, Do you think it's? See, like I think it could, in in better hands or in 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 not better hands because like Luke a lot of pretty good and a lot of the good stuff wouldn't have been possible without Luke Besson. But if he had a co-writer or something like that that yeah. helped him write the movie or he's co-written a, by his wife actually, so like that might have it might have taken like a more more of a third party. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I there are things that I really liked about it. Like that, there were pieces that were really cool. There was yeah. a scene where Dane DeHaan had to steal something from another dimension. Yeah, that's a really cool scene. Yeah, so he's like his arm gets stuck in the other dimension. Yeah. Right. So he's like wearing this thing that can he can grab things from another dimension, and he can get like attacked in, in another dimension and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's basically running around an empty desert. But he's got these goggles on that allows him to see the other dimension. Yep. And that's really cool. It's yeah. that and that's like the sci fi really stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I would not say I hated this movie. Okay. Like it was definitely an enjoyable watch. It just kinda stunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't say I hate this movie, but it's it, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. okay. I think that was a successful bomb then. Okay. Um and you gave me yes. Rear Window. Yes, the I did. 1956 Alfred Hitchcock classic? 54? Yeah, 54. 54. Yes. Um, this is a great movie. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a little while. Did um, you rewatch it? I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you said you hadn't seen it in a while. So I... No, no, no. Didn't rewatch it. But yeah, just uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I don't want to. Um, I think this movie is tough to sort of talk about without spoiling it. You can spoil it. it this yeah. movie came out in 1954. You can spoil it. 64 years old. Yeah, you can spoil right. it. Um, the thing I, t- I told you first and foremost is I sort of wish that um, L.B. Jeffries, James Stewart's character, was incorrect. Do in you want to give a premise of the movie? Uh, sure. Um, so 
uh, he uh, Jeff Jeff Jeffries LB Jeff Jeffries is recovering <laughs> from a leg injury. We don't know how he got it. I don't yeah, think. no, he has a giant um, broken. He's leg. a photographer for a magazine, um, and he's in a wheelchair, and he has this big, big ass cast of covering yeah. his in, his entire leg. Yeah, nineteen fifties cast. This dude broke his femur in nineteen fifty, so he <laughs> so is his leg incapacitated. Is, his leg has not moved for a while. Yes, um, and he. His only like form of entertainment, I suppose, is looking out his back window and sort of like observing his neighbors. Yeah, and his girlfriend, played by the uh, uh, the unbelievable Grace Kelly. Yeah, Grace Kelly. She's, she's great. She's really good in this movie. Actually, yeah. what's kind of funny is both of these movies don't have um, like both Valerian and Rear Window. As I was watching, it, I was like, these don't. These both don't have like the sort of uh, the sort of uh, cookie cutter romantic relationships. No, not at all. Um, which is which is cool. Yeah, because. Um, Grace Kelly, um, Lisa, is already with Jeff. Yeah. Like, they're together, yeah. which is sort of the same as in Valerian. They're already together, and he's like, I want to marry you. And she's like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> You're full of shit. Your playlist. Yeah. So here, so here, Jeff is like, she wants to get married. He does not. Yeah. He kind of um, dumps her in the beginning, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, she, and then she's like, all right, I'll see you never. Yeah. But Unless it's tomorrow night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some really good lines in this movie. Um, I think, I think it's a little long, mm-hmm. um, just because it's so so consolidated to one space. It's very claustrophobic. Yeah, and and claustrophobia, I think, in in some ways, is okay in a movie. But when this person is literally immobile, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and you never leave this room, yeah, you really don't, yeah. Um, and so that for me, I was always just kind of like. You know the the central plot is introduced very very early. Yeah, um, which is he sees his across the street neighbor um, wiping off a saw and a knife after his is it is after his wife has like gone on gone, vacation or yeah, something. Quote unquote, yeah, gone on vacation. Yeah, um, and so he calls his detective friend. The detective friend's pretty useless. I'm not really entirely sure why he's in the movie at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I th- I think that for me that like I liked this movie, I liked the premise. I al- I I do like claustrophobia in the movie. Um, I was just always I was surprised when I saw the running time. I watched it online and I was surprised when I saw that it was as long as it was. Yeah. Um, just because it's introduced very very early again. It's an hour fifty two. Yeah. Um, the central plot points introduced and then you don't go anywhere from there. I mean, physically you don't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, you see more things transpire, but there's no dialogue. There's yeah. no dialogue with the the suspect. And, um, until the end, and yeah, until the end, where he comes into the room. Yeah, um, but even still, even wasn't that the, intense? Even though? when the final confrontation happens, he's still in the room. <laughs> it's so the thing that I love I about really this. I really liked when he called, when he picked up the phone and was like, "Hey, I think he's coming." And then there's just no answer, and yeah. he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, really good stuff there." The thing that I love about this movie is like the it's the stakes are so low, and yeah, yet it's so like. It's so it's, trivial. It's thrilling. It really, but yeah. it is, is kind of trivial. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just like a dude killed his wife, which is like a despicable bad, thing. Bad, 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 but bad. like in terms of movie crimes, it's not that bad. Right. Yeah. So, and yeah. The only evidence this guy really has is that he saw him wiping off a song. Right. Knife. So a lot of the tension comes from like Grace Kelly like snooping mm-hmm. around his place. Really good, and, really good scene. And it's yeah. all shot again from, from the window. Right. And And – I like I like his characters of the other neighbors. Yeah, like there's a there's a party going on yeah, and there's Ms. someone playing music. Miss yeah. Lonely Heart. Yeah, Miss Torso. <laughs> Miss Torso. Miss Lonely Heart. Um, <laughs> and then the, yeah, and then the, the the musicians. Yeah, and so the it's completely scored by people in the movie, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Did you I, find that Alfred Hitchcock cameo? 
Yes, he was one of the musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stella, his nurse, is pretty great too. Mm-hmm. Um, if maybe a bit unnecessary, um, just because I felt like she and uh, I mean he and he and uh, Grace Kelly could have got it done together, whatever they needed to do. Yeah, um, <coughs> I, yeah, it's 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 good. I I just I did think it was a little overdrawn. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's a. I feel like old movies can be a little slow at times. Yeah. So, which is like no fault of their own. Yeah. And and like the thing is, is I don't know. I maybe it's convention now versus back then, but like I don't know. The, yeah, there was no narrative point for like the characters, like the detective or the or the nurse, but like they were characters and they made sense mm-hmm. and like it would make sense. Like, oh, you think someone killed someone and you'd call a detective. Right, like it makes logical sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Movie movie making logic, it makes less sense. But I think maybe that's something from the fifties versus today. Right. Yeah. Um, I I think, and I told you this before we started on air, but I do think that the plot would have been maybe a bit more interesting, or we would have learned maybe a bit more about this movie if um, J L B Jeffries was incorrect in his assessment. Um, that's an interesting take. And then this is Hitchcock trying to tell people like, hey. You don't know what other people's lives are like. You know, you don't get to interfere with people just because, like, you have a, 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 a suspicion. Yeah. See, I don't think that was ever in the cards. Because, no, I don't think so yeah. either. Jimmy but Stewart I, I is, did, like... I did think it was going to become... I, I didn't think it was... I, I did think it was going to go that direction. I was yeah. very surprised when he was correct in his assessment that he had made an hour and a half earlier. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart is, like, you know, the um, the most wholesome American actor that has ever existed. Yeah. He's like Tom Hanks before Tom Hanks. <laughs> um, there's no way he was going to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like, definitely a product of the 1950s as well, like, as, like, yeah. 1950s Hollywood. Similar hero, like, hero-villain structure. But, yeah. like, but like we, we would never have uh, a Tom Hanks-type person be bad in 1950. Yeah. Or, like, be, be wrong. I can't even imagine Tom Hanks being bad today. I suppose. Yeah, he's kind of the he's kind of the villain in Catch Me If You Can, but he's kind of a eh. likable villain. In yeah, he's not really can. the villain. Um, I would anyway. like to see Tom Hanks in a villain role. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll introduce my next classic, and then you can introduce your next bomb. How sure. about that? Oh, for my rating, I guess because like if you, I'll tell you, if oh, yeah. worthy of being, is it a classic? I think this movie's worthy of being a classic. Yeah. Yeah, you think it holds up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as a movie from 1954, I think, is going to, a movie that takes place entirely in one room, Yeah, I don't think this movie is made today. I disagree. I think it's more intense today. I think it just shows more. Maybe. Because, like, yeah. I feel like there are... Like, Do you think I didn't... the camera moves more? Uh, No. No, I think it maybe... More angles it, could be, it could be, like, a handheld thing. I could mm, see that. Like a found footage? Uh, Not... Maybe. But, but, but in that... But in definitely, that, like, shaky vein. cam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could totally see something like that make, being yeah. made today. Um, I think it'd be, a, it'd be a very different movie. I agree with you. It wouldn't be in this form today. Yeah. Um, it would be more intense. It would be more stylized, probably. It wouldn't mm-hmm. feel as natural. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And there is a bit of a of a, a po- poor aging in, in L.B. Jeffries only, like, falling in love, really, with Lisa once she, like, risks her life. Yeah. <laughs> and goes into this murderer's apartment. Yeah. And, and also, can we talk he's about... like, oh, man, look at her go. And you're like, yeah. wait a minute, what? Jimmy Stewart is a handsome enough guy. He's the, way he's, older than her. He is... Yeah, she is so far out of his league. It is unbelievable. Like, like, yeah. That'd be like, if, if today, like, 
I don't know, Ethan Hawke got cast and like his wife was like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm I mean I'm a big James Bond movie fan so yeah. like the age differences there are always huge. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even mean in terms of age difference, which is also inappropriate. Yeah. But I just meant in terms of like Grace Kelly is lovely. She yeah. is a lovely human being. Yeah. She's and she's, in every sense of the word. And she's super flawless in this movie. Yeah. She's super charming. I'm like, why don't you marry this girl? Like, yeah. You're, what like is your problem? You're like 65 years old. What, what you, the hell what is do your you problem? have to lose? <laughs> you, this woman is literally like nursing you back to hell. Yeah. And he's like gawking at this girl across the street like, oh, oh my what, what about her? And you're like, dude, you're so old. And you have Grace Kelly who's like, I want to marry you. And he's like, well, what about this lady? <laughs> and you're like, man, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely Maybe agree. again, I'm product at the time. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So hit, my hit, next hit me with the yeah, next one. My next crawls classic yeah. is uh is Dirty Harry. You've never seen Dirty Harry. No. And that is I think that, you know, is a is definitely a classic. Like I think it has touched pop culture, you know, for the last uh, you know, fifty years since it came out. Oh, one last point about Rear Window, by the way. I think one of the reasons it's less intense is because it was kind of almost the first of its kind. And then I think if you want to make another movie like that, you have to build on it in some way in terms yeah. of intensity. So a movie like that's never made today because it's already been made, you know? Yeah, it's been made and, and, and expanded upon. And expanded upon and expanded upon. And it mm-hmm. would have to be something very different. Yeah, and you have yeah. to look at it in that, in, in that lens. Yeah. Um, you, ha- you have to look at it through that lens. Absolutely. Exactly. You can't be like, oh, this is exactly like this movie that came out two years ago. Disturbia. Like, which I said last, <laughs> which I said like a, a couple months ago or when we last... Yeah, presented these saying movies. saying rear window is is a worse disturbia is like not that you said that it's but a like, gut, that's a gut wrenching thought that is yeah that is blasphemy but although anyway. I think disturbia is pretty good I haven't seen it oh well then how do you know it's blasphemy <laughs> because it's Shia LaBeouf hey listen my bomb this week has Shia LaBeouf in it. oh spoiler sorry <laughs> yeah go through your four Shia LaBeouf movies that you know uh yes holes. Uh, uh, the Even Stevens movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, 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 what Disturbia. else did I see him in? Oh, Transformers. Transformers. Transformers Two. Boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look up his discography, or his filmography right now. Let's see what else he's got. He's got. He's got a lot of movies. Oh, he is in. Apparently, he's in Charlie Charlie's Angels. He's an iRobot. You know course. what's really funny? Huh. Disturbia was sued for being too much. Like it had to be murder. Which is the short story that Rear Window was based off of. Yeah. That is funny. That's crazy. Oh, right. here we go. He was in Indiana Jones 4. Forgot about that. Mm, yep. Um, he was in the second Wall Street movie. I remember that. Man, he actually had like a pretty decent career, and then he like blew it all up. Anyway, my movie's Rear Window. Or, nope, that was last week. My movie's <laughs> Dirty, Dirty Harry. Harry. Um, yeah. It's a uh, it's it's kind of based on the Zodiac Killer, and it's before the movie Zodiac came out, which is also a fantastic movie. I love that movie. That's a great one. Um, yeah, it's uh, dirty. It, it it fits a lot of like now stereotypes, but at the time we're a little more cutting edge. He's like a hard nosed, out of the box cop, and he's trying to solve a murder, and it has a famous line in it, and you don't, don't know. know what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, here. I'll do it exactly. I think I I wait. No, I don't. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Oh. Because he's like, 
Now, in all this confusion, I don't remember if I sh- fired five shots or six. <laughs> so you got to ask yourself. One, it's great. Oh yeah. my god, this movie's great. I'm, I'm gonna excited. rewatch this with you. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. We're, so my bomb. Yes. Is Lawless. Lawless. Lucy Lawless. No. No. It's from 2012, a John Hillcoat-directed movie. He also directed a movie called Triple Nine in 2016, which I've never heard of. He <laughs> also directed The Road, which was based off of the The novel. Denzel movie? No, with um, Viggo Mortensen. Oh, what's the Denzel movie? Oh, that's The Book of Eli. Yes. I confuse those but two. But both like, post-apocalyptic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the Road is a lot slower and darker and dankier. Okay. Um, and a lot of a lot of music videos, uh, John, <laughs> John Hillcoat's directed. It stars Shia LaBeouf, Tom Hardy, Jessica Chastain, Jason Clark, Gary Oldman, Mia Wasikowska, Dane DeHaan again, it's really and cast. Guy Pierce. Except Dane DeHaan, <laughs> he's pretty good in this movie. Actually, <laughs> he plays like this weird, like crickety kind of. Actually, I think his name is actually Cricket. We'll see. Um, I I'm pred- predicting that I will not like Dane DeHaan. Like Dane DeHaan. <laughs> yeah. uh, three bootleggers. Uh, they're getting clamped down on. Um, it's a it's a kind of it's a little slow. But it's a uh, it's a really really cool representation of Prohibition era Virginia. I think Peaky Blinders took a lot of shit from this movie oh, yeah. in terms of um, aesthetic uh, and 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 costuming and style and mm. things like that. So it puts you there. It's pretty funny because Tom Hardy was also at least wrapping up filming on Dark Knight Rises. So he's like, his his brother's name is Howard, and like the the police come, and he's like, Have you met Howard? <laughs> and you're like, What the fuck did you just say? Oh, you think darkness is your ally? Ah, bootleg moonshine. (laughs) (laughs) But you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. Um, I like this movie. It's not that much of a bomb. It, uh, it, uh, 60, 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a movie that people were expecting to be a bit more of like an action movie and it's certainly, um. Yeah, it made money. It did make money. Um, so maybe it's under underqualified. This is a weak bomb. This is not an atomic bomb. It's, it's not an atomic bomb. Not yeah. a Valerian bomb. I yeah. mean, uh, Valerian is like a historical bomb. Yeah. Um, you know who did the uh, the sc- the score was Nick Cave. So I'm very curious about that because I like Nick Cave. Oh yeah. yeah, music by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, yeah, it's a it, it made it made some. I mean, at fifty fifty five million isn't. A lot. On a budget of twenty six, um, they paid its actors. I mean, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They paid the cast a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 pretty good. Um, it wraps up kind of cleanly, um, which I think I don't love, but um, yeah. Okay. I I, I think you'll yeah, like I'm I think you'll like this it. one more than Valerian. I'm looking forward to it. I think I will too. I, yeah, I I picked a doozy of a bomb for the first one because yeah, that was a cataclysm. All right, so we are running over a little bit. Let's uh let's quickly move to the top five. We're okay, huh? we're at one oh six. Oh, I thought we would be at more like one twenty. No, we're 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 doing all right. All right. Well, wanna go to wanna do top five anyway? Yeah. Since let's, I blew let's that move up. On to, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so for our top five, this is your idea, so I can let you oh, introduce um, it. Well, we we always try and pick things that are topical, so we what did we talk about? We talked about heist movies and then we were like, There's only five. <laughs> yeah. We haven't <laughs> we, seen that many we, heist movies. We talked about um, movies with three or more actresses as their top build. Um, there are far too few of those movies, I think, just, Sadly. In, just in general. Yeah. Um, what else? We th- oh, top five movies based in Chicago. Which, which I think is super easy. Ferris Bueller, you, Blues Brothers. You went, to sh- you went to Chicago. Yeah, those movies did get like crammed down <laughs> our throats. Um, we, I 
flirted with the idea of like top five spinoffs, and I could have added like TV shows or movies because of Fantastic Beasts. Um, you said you haven't seen that many. I'm not sure I have either. So we're going to settle on top five Coen Brothers movies. Woo! And you are more of a Coen Brothers fan than I am, so I will let you begin. Yeah. Do you want to go five five four four three three two two one one? Yes, two, please. All right. With number five, I will go with Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. It's a great movie. It is. It is based in like the old West kind of, but so they're prisoners. It's a compost movie. It's based in the old West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a comedy. Uh, it stars George Clooney and John Turturro and Tim Blake Nelson and John Goodman. And it's based on the Odyssey loosely. Loosely, which is yeah. cool. It's a cool idea. Uh, for some reason, this movie's soundtrack like made it really big. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everyone it's, it's, bought this it's, soundtrack. It's got a great tune in it. It does. The Man of Constant Sorrow. Yeah, it, that song rocks, and the scene in the movie is awesome. Uh, this is funny. This is George Clooney at his most charismatic. This is mm-hmm. Tim Blake Nelson being hilarious. John Turturro is also very funny in it. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you don't like this movie that much. It's my number five. Okay, let's hear. It. Let's hear what you think. <laughs> but I've only seen six of these movies. Right, uh, and you're leaving. Uh, you're leaving Lebowski off, uh, right? I am. <laughs> I, maybe I need to watch it again. I you don't should. Know. Um, yeah, I like this movie too. Um, I, I watched it under the pretense that it was like an Odyssey adaptation, like a modern day Odyssey adaptation, and I was disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I look back upon it, I, I think I like it more. Um, I've seen it twice more than that. <laughs> the Dapper Dan thing is really funny. Yeah, um, it is funny. Um, this is this is more like the Coen Brothers. Maybe I'm just like it's, I'm just stupid, but I feel like everyone thinks Coen Brothers movies are hilarious, and I'm always just like. I don't get it. But yeah. like some of the, like some of the stuff in this movie is genuinely funny. Well, this movie is like them at their most whimsical too. Yeah. Like this like, oh, at there's the a title like, wave. At, yeah, at, the, at end. the most like outrageous. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of their humor is much more dark or or sort of sar- like sarcastic, maybe. Um and I, I genuinely felt like an idiot. I read the Roger Ebert review for um Buster Scruggs. Yeah. And there said that there was a um in, in the second skit, the second scene short, mm-hmm. um, it was like, and then this scene features like one of the best punchlines in Coen Brothers history. Hmm. And I did not think there was a punchline in the short. Yeah. So I, uh, I was like, God damn. I was like, I totally, these movies go right over my head. This one doesn't really. When when pe- <laughs> Fair. When people uh, say stuff like that, I usually take it with a grain of salt, though. But I was like, I don't even know what you could possibly be talking about. The Coen brothers have, let's see, according to their Wikipedia, it doesn't say. But they've done, like, they've made pretty much a movie a year or so. Let's say a movie every 1.5 years since, like, 1984. <laughs> so there's no way that this has the best punchline of all time. Yeah, they've know. made so many movies. But even still, I was like, what? What's the punchline that he could be talking about? Uh, yeah, that, I, that has gone so over my head. Yeah, I um, feel that. Yeah, that's not my that's my, my my number my number five as well. Nice. Just a an FYI, I'm doing this as we go. That's fine. So, uh, my number four, I guess, is going to be Fargo. Do we have the same list? <laughs> that's my number four as well. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Fargo going. probably should be higher on the list. I just haven't seen it in a while. Um. Fargo. Yeah, William H. Macy. What? Fargo. Fargo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, William H. Macy plays a car salesman who gets his, uh, gets criminals to, to kidnap, I'm done with this, yeah. kidnap his wife. <laughs> uh, and William H. Macy's really good in it. Um, but I think this movie is stolen by Frances McDormand. Yeah, this is a really star-making good. role. She is amazing. Um, 
I, 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 it's a murder mystery, and it's a good murder mystery. I don't have that much else to say about it because I haven't seen it in a while. Mm-hmm. She's a pregnant policewoman. Also, the TV show Fargo is amazing, and everyone should see that. I um I like this movie more than some more than some others, namely Big Lebowski, because I think it has the best one of the better plot lines. Like it is a murder mystery at yeah. its core, and you still want to kind of figure out if this guy's going to get away with it. Yeah. Um, and so that's like the central conceit of this is a, a bit more um, straightforward. Uh, yeah, up my alley. Yeah, I guess, and it does sort of veer a little bit sometimes. It does sort of. Take some detours, maybe like a like the whole movie is not based around this whole this 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 kidnapping. Yeah, like it is like that's the central plot line. That's but it's got like, characters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's more. It's there's there's it, there's more skits and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, I like I like this movie. I have I have the I have the DVDs for the Fargo season one and two like right here. But oh, you gotta them see them. They're also on Hulu, I think. I don't have Hulu. Oh, well, you should get Hulu. Okay. Uh, okay, my number three. This we're gonna differ here. Big Lebowski. Oh. Uh, Big Lebowski is great movie. Um, a lot of people might put this on top of their list. I don't know. Um, it's not. I don't know. It's really good. It's. I don't know why you don't like it because it's funny. It's got unbelievably great performances in it. It's got amazing lines in it. It. It's like everything you want in a movie. It has. It's got. It's got. <laughs> I mean, I guess it doesn't have a gripping plot. What is happening? <laughs> it doesn't have a gripping plot, but, I mean, the characters are so good, and it's hilarious. I mean, you know, I think that it's definitely the most quotable of all Coen Brothers movies. I can say, shut the yeah. fuck up, Donnie, or Donnie, shut the fuck up. Yeah, or like, or don't mess with the Jesus. That's just your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah, or uh, that rug really tied the room together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, or like, they're gonna cut off your Johnson. Like there, there, uh, there's so many. Or I don't roll on the Shabbos. That might be why I didn't love it because yeah. I felt like I had already seen it. That's fair. <laughs> no, that uh, it's just it's really funny. It is. I think that's probably, in my opinion, their funniest movie. Um, yeah, I I recently rewatched it, and the character of Walter Sobchak. John Goodman's character is a despicable person. And I think I always kind of just like glanced that aside in the past and maybe looked at it a little more critically uh, from that lens this time. But Mm -hmm. yeah, but uh, like he kind of drives the whole plot and he is a complete jackass. So I don't know. I'll check it out. I have the DVD. Yeah. If you can stomach John Goodman being a a, a miserable oaf, you you should like it. Yeah, I sometimes do struggle with that. That's a lot of the re- reason why I don't like, say, Wolf of Wall Street, for example. Oh, interesting. Because I hate Jordan movie. Belfort. Yeah, he sucks. I hate him. Yeah, but it's a great movie. You can have a great movie about a person who sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think it's like the manner at which Jordan Belfort sucks, though, that I think I hate him. That's like, fair. Like, it's like nails on a chalkboard for Yeah. Him. Yeah. That's fair. Um, number three for me is Hail Caesar. It's a good movie. Exclamation point. Yes. Um, Hail, comma, Caesar, exclamation. Yes. I... I've only seen. I saw this movie very recently, actually, for the first time. Huh. I saw it in theaters. I, well, I saw it because I liked Alden Ehrenreich's performance in Solo. Yeah. And I wanted to sort of like everyone was like, oh, he was great in Hail Caesar, and I was like, that's a movie I hadn't seen. So I went to HPB, and I bought Hail Caesar the DVD. HPB stands for Half Price Books, right? Which is the best store in the world. It is great. Um, <clears throat> and I like this movie. I mean, we talked about it a little bit uh, um, off air, but I think at its core, it's just very nice to watch. 
Um, there's like some musical numbers, and it's a kind of a cool like fictional tour of a Hollywood studio, mm-hmm. um, which in itself, like like I talked about, kind of with Valerian, like I like the sort of when there are lots of different environments within one sort of centralized place. Yeah. And that's like the setting of this movie is how many, so there's like an ancient Roman movie going on in one room. And then there's, there's Hobie Doyle (laughs) in his Western (laughs) in another room. Yeah. There's Scarlett Johansson in her mermaid outfit in the other room. And then there's Jane Titty with a bunch of singing sailors in the other. I was like, this is great. This is like a menagerie of like old time Hollywood stuff. Yeah. It's really nice to watch. That's like what it is. It's a love letter to old time. Yeah. There's like the, there's like the dance scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Again, with, with it's like a musical number. There's yeah. A, there's a musical number in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> which it's great. Comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Alden Ehrenreich's really good too. Like that was very. Yeah. His and, and Ray Fiennes. Yeah. His thing with Ray Fiennes is so funny. Yeah, Lawrence Lorenz. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is great. That that might be really the best punchline in in Coen it's Brothers. A, it's a really good scene, <laughs> and they both kill it. And I like. What, this, what's the line like that he movie. can't say? I don't even remember. Um. I don't know. It's something very very simple. Yeah. It is. I I, I, I want to rewatch this movie. And it's funny too watching Solo first because he has the sort of you know he has the Han Solo kind of drawl. Yeah. But in this movie, he's very like <laughs> <laughs> he's <just> kind of <laughs> skippy and uppity. <laughs> like I love this kid. I like Alvin Ehrenreich a lot. I'm excited for him. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for more him. Maybe he gets some more blockbuster success. Uh, yeah, I like Hail Caesar. I don't right. like the communist plot. I don't really get that. But interesting. I, like I liked that communist plot too. I mean, I think it was supposed to be. Kind sort of like of a callback sort of, to sort of random. No, but like that the was times. a thing in like old time movies. Like the the Communist Party yeah. was a big deal. I more meant like the submarine. Okay. And Chain Tatum jumping on the submarine. I was like, <laughs> I don't really know what's going on right now. <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> All right, my number two is Inside Lee Wynn Davis. I haven't seen it. Uh, you should. It's about a musician. You're a musician. I don't like music movies. <laughs> But it's not even a music movie. It's a movie about a struggling musician. Okay. And he... he is this uh, jo- Joaquin Phoenix? No, it's uh, it's uh, Oscar Isaac, and he's amazing. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's yeah. Right, that's right. Yeah. Knew that. He's really good in it. It's also got F. Murray Abraham. It's got Justin Timberlake. It's got Carrie Mulligan. It's got John Goodman. Um, and, yeah. So so there's this folk singer back in the day named Dave Van Ronk. Uh, I have one of his albums. He's great. Uh, it's, like, really sad really like extremely folky in the you know in the strictest definition of that genre and this movie's kind of it's supposed to be based on his life and yeah he just kind of lives he has no money and he kind of just plays music and goes wanders through life this is a newer movie yeah yeah this movie was a lot older no this movie 2013 yeah I, i mean if you like the idea of like 60s greenwich village folk you know, kind of like I don't know, like autumn tone. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's it is a little slow, but it I think it's worth the journey. Like, really great. Yeah, cool. I want to rewatch it now that I'm talking about it. Anyway, that's yeah. my number two. Okay, number two for me is No Country for Old Men. Yep, that's um, an honorable mention for me. I seen this movie I think twice or three times. I think I like the intensity of it. Yeah. Um, I like the way that it builds its intensity. I agree with you that what's something that you said off air and that it's pretty um, unfulfilling. Yes. On um, purpose. <coughs> yes. Um, that th- I like that it's deliberate and it's not being fulfilling whereas yeah. sometimes I felt like <laughs> they have movies that are unfulfilling that aren't on purpose. Yeah. A la Buster Scruggs. Um, yeah. I like I really like, like the scene where um, Javier Bardem's character i can't remember his name 
Anton Sugar. Yeah, Anton Sugar. Yeah, that's great right. character. He's in the uh, he's in the hallway, and he turns the lights off so that he can't. Uh, you can't see that he's coming through the door, yep. and it's like under the crack. In the yes, door. Yep. yes, Which super, awesome. super intense stuff. Yeah, um, and I love how he blows the doorknobs off. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I the scene obviously in the convenience store is amazing with the yep. quarter friendo. Um, yeah, he's so scary. Yeah, um, he's he's the best part of that movie by a significant margin, and I think that's why I like it so much is because I, it's a, it's it pulls me back. I'm like I want to watch that performance again. I buy um, that. Yeah. Yeah, he is menacing with that, like, cattle gun. Yeah. Yeah, that thing is terrifying. Like, I remember when he uses it for the first time, he, like, steals someone's car, and he presses it to their forehead and, like, presses the button, and it just, like, makes a hole in his head. Yep. That is so scary. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and you do not want that to happen, do you? No, not at all. It's got to be top five worst ways to go. Probably. 100%. Like, really, really fast air blows a hole in your head. Yeah. Sounds awful. Oh, God. All right, I'm going to give you some quick... um, Honorable mentions. mentions. Yeah, I like Raising Arizona. I like Barton Fink. Um, I am upset that I didn't get to put No Country for Old Men on my list. If I did the list again or maybe planned it, it might be, yeah, it might be five or six. Uh, True Grit's amazing. I think it's just a little too in the box. I know it's going to be your number one. It's my number one. Uh, Sorry to spoil. (laughs) That's okay. I just think it's a little too in the box. It's like, it's a great movie. I love it. But like to put it on the number one Coen Brothers movie for me as someone who loves the Coen Brothers would be like, Kind of crazy. My number one uh, is A Serious Man. This movie is really, really good. It's got Michael Stuhlberg. It doesn't have, like, a, a, a ridiculous cast. Michael Stuhlberg's amazing in it. Um, and then it's got um, Richard Kind, who's, like, the classic, like, Jewish dude. He's, uh, yeah, like, got that thick Jersey accent. And then Fred Malamed's also great. He's the eponymous Serious Man. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's basically about a guy whose life falls apart. That's like the premise of the movie. He's like a he's like a Jewish dude from the fifties in Minnesota, which is where the Coens grew up. Um, and basically, his wife leaves him for another dude and named Cy Abelman, and he sounds and, like a dick. Yeah, he is a dick, and they want to. Uh, he she's like forcing him to make it like a mutual divorce. Because that's how it has to be by like Jewish customs, mm-hmm. and he's a math teacher, and he's kind of getting he's getting bribed by one of his students, and his life just kind of slowly fizzles. And then at the end, instead of telling you what happens, there is a torrential storm, and that's the end. And it's so cool. This okay. Re- and he, yeah, it, it, interesting. It's just like this really. I don't. I. It starts really cool. It's got this mem- really memorable starting point where. Uh, his son is, like, stoned and listening to Jefferson Airplane on his, like... So I guess it's the 60s, not the 50s. Je- yeah, 67. He's listening to his, like, little music device with Jefferson Airplane, and it's it's amazing. And he, like, he's trying to find solace from the various rabbis, and he goes from rabbi to rabbi, and they all tell him, like, ridiculous stories that don't help him at all. And uh, it's funny. So it's, it's, it's kind of segmented like that episodic kind of like it's that? not really no, but it okay. but it just it travels it, it, this movie goes to a lot of different places um and there are like stories from the rabbis but those are like three minute stories um yeah you got to see this movie this okay. is yeah 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 I this mean, and everybody wants some are like the two movies that i want you to see the most <laughs> so, um and as we've spoiled earlier which is fine 
Uh, my, my num- <laughs> it sounds like it's no, not no, it's, fine. it's totally fine. <laughs> my uh, my number one is True Grit, the 2010 remake. Fantastic. Um, I like you said, this is the most in the box, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I like it so much. Like Fair. this is everything that I want out of a western movie. Yeah. Um, it's like a revenge tale. Um, Haley Steinfeld is really, really good in this movie. She's amazing. Um, she's way better of an actress than she is a singer, and she should go back to acting. But she w- I mean, she's just so, yeah, she's so good in this movie. And and Jeff Bridges is obviously amazing as Rooster Cogburn, yep. um, and Matt Damon, and their 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 sort of um, their relationship, the, yeah. the the three of them. It's sort of like this weird like kind of love triangle of like who's going to help her, yeah, take this guy down. Yeah, <laughs> it's like why don't you guys just like kind of work together and they, they can't seem to do it um yeah like you said it's very in the box it's better than the original i i agree yeah um i yeah i maybe it's kind of a cop-out saying it's like my favorite coen brothers movie because it might be the least coen brothers like it might have their footprint on it the least yeah. the dialogue's still very coheny yes like when Matt Damon goes, that is to say, your eye, because <laughs> Rooster Cogburn wears an eye patch. Um, yeah, and and yeah, and uh, this is one that deviates, I think, the least from what it's trying to get to of of Maddie Ross trying to avenge her father, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's it. And then like there, are, sure, certain things that happen in in between, mm-hmm. but the way that both of these men try to t- sort of be a father to this girl. Um, really, really charming, really heartwarming, um, which is not a word I would use to describe a lot of Coen Brothers movies. It's got some darkness. but It does. Um, but even at the end, when it's like pretty grim, you're sort of like, you know, it, there's still c- a bit of closure there. Um, it's wholesome. In a, in, a bu- in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Um, which is nice. I like, I like True Grit a lot. Haley Seinfeld's in this movie, Edge of 17, that you should see. That's right. Um, That's what you said. Yeah, she's great in it. Uh, she should uh, she should stop being hungry until she tasted me and start acting more. Isn't that her song? I didn't know that I was hungry till I tasted you. I don't know. I've yeah, that's, I don't think I've ever heard that song. That's before. totally like a top forty song that she did. Did she only start singing when she went into um, Pitch Perfect? I don't know, but she should definitely. Uh, I haven't seen Pitch Perfect ever. Nope. None of them. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, this was like her That's first not weird. movie. I shouldn't say she that. was fourteen when she when she was. A yeah, she's Actually, so good. She was younger than fourteen. She was probably like thirteen. Or she 12. was supposed to be fourteen, but let's see, she's twenty one now. Well, this movie came out in two thousand ten. She was born in December eleventh, nineteen ninety six. So, so she, at so at, so yeah, at she oldest, was thirteen. She was thirteen. But when it was filmed, she might have been twelve. Yeah, she's really really good. And like yeah. child actors can go so badly. She steals this movie. She does. She really does. From two. Hall of Fame actors. Yes. Three. Yes. Can we if make you, the acting would, Hall of Fame? Is, if that, you would, is that a new podcast idea? If, if you include <laughs> Brolin, yeah. she oh, stole Brolin's this movie, this movie from too. out of the hands of all these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they don't, and I think the best part is they don't seem to care. Yeah. Well, they like, know it's her movie. Yes. Yeah. Which is super beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, that, well, Jeff Bridges seems like the most easygoing dude. Yeah. I cer- love and Jeff certainly. But, I, but I, just the way that they both love this girl so much. Yeah. And it's, it almost comes through through the camera when it comes to, like, them being outside of the movie. Yeah. Like, you almost feel like Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon and even Josh Brolin, to an extent, like, as people have latched on to Maddie slash Haley Steinfeld yeah. in, like, a not weird way. In yeah. In a very 
paternal way, yeah. which is really beautiful. Well, I not mean, Josh Brolin. He doesn't feel paternal towards her. He killed her her dad. Yeah, okay. But, like, even he's complicated. He is complicated. Because they get to him, and she, and he's sort of, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I want to, I, like, it's, it has that effect. I want to go watch this movie now. Yeah, I want to go watch a series, man. <laughs> well, uh, maybe I'll have a Coen Brothers day, because yeah. I don't have to work today. There I'm you not, go. I'm not getting out of my, my sweats. Have a, <laughs> nice. Have a good uh, movie day. So let's do sports next week. Is yeah. that right? Um, yeah, we'll we'll be getting close to um, the end of the NFL season. Yep, MLB um, hot stove. NBA is pretty in pretty full swing. Yeah, MLB hot stove. We can talk about Indians rumors. What you would like to see in a um, trade of one of our three starting pitchers that yes. seem to be getting um, very high demand. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'll be exciting. Yeah. I think MLB free agency has gotten kind of boring. Free agency is, but I think the trade market yeah. this year has been So, really like, cool when winter ahead. meetings go, go by and there's no trades, that's usually disappointing. Yeah. Uh, because we'll free see. agency, usually you have, like, 30-year-olds yeah. that are past the apex of their career. That's right. And then you're sort of Although like, this, this year, not the case. Well, like, look at Hosmer. Yeah. I mean, what a franchise-changing deal that was supposed to be for the Padres. And he sucks. Yeah, And now the Padres sucks. are, like, six years behind. Uh, I think the Padres will be. They have a great, yeah. great farm. But that's system. like why you that's why you rebuild so you have money to sign these guys huge long term. Yeah. And like what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's really. just it is kind of sad. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed that conversation, tune in yeah, again tune next, in next week. week. Sorry, I'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably rehash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tune in again next week. Until then, stay distracted. <laughs>